got your Bibles, why don't you grab them? I think the Sunday school has already excused themselves, which is good. I don't see anyone here within Sunday school age. We're going to begin a new series this morning. And um, if someone can jump on the computer and just blank that out for me. Thanks, Brother Willie. Guess we didn't really need that. We're going to begin a new series this morning um, talking about our identity in Christ. Everyone say our identity. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to do a, a bit of a longer reading this morning. But I think it's important. Um, because it sets the tone really for the next four weeks. So turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians. Now first, um, our first thing we're going to talk about this morning in this series, Beautiful Things, is what it's entitled. We're going to talk about who are you meant to be. Turn to the person next to you and ask him that question. Who are you meant to be? Who are you meant to be? Who are you meant to be? 1 Corinthians, we're going to read from uh, verse 12, sorry, chapter 12 rather. Am I in the right spot? There we go. For some reason, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 was missing from my Bible, but I found it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. Everyone say amen when you're there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. It says, For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, divers or different kind of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. But all of these worketh the one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one, verse 12, and has many members, all the members of that one body being many are one body. So also is Christ. For by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now has God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased Him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. Verse 21, And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon those we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need. But God has tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to the part which lacketh, 
that there should be no schism or division, in other words, in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and members in particular. Praise the Lord. One of the greatest things I think Christians struggle with is understanding our identity in Christ. And I see this manifest in several ways. I see this manifest in Christians who are ashamed for people to find out that they're a Christian. Right? It's something that they try and, and hide so nobody knows. Right? They don't openly talk about the things of the Lord. When, when someone says, hey, what did you do for the weekend? You say, oh, I just spent some time with some friends. You know, we try not to let on to the fact that, oh, I was in church. We had a great time, you know, because we want to try and avoid um, any kind of people mocking us or ridiculing us or making us feel unworthy. Amen. Praise the Lord. I think another area where our identity in Christ is important is in terms of our relationships with one another, in terms of our relationship with ourselves. And this is another important thing. I think if you were to do, look at some statistics, and I haven't looked at statistics, but I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that self-esteem in the world is going down. Youth suicide is rising. Suicide is rising. These people, people really struggle with who they are. They struggle with their identity. And as Christians, we are to find our identity within Christ. Amen. And our identity is unique. Amen. I am not like Sister Wapow. And that's a good thing. And Sister Wapow is not like Brother Allen. That's a good thing too. And Brother Allen is not like Keru, even though they're brothers and sisters. That's a good thing, right? Every single one of us is unique. Every single one of us has individual characteristics and traits and, and a different way that we look at the world. Amen. But this is a good thing because... By all these different abilities and talents and gifts and, and the different lenses that we bring together, how we view our world, God has brought us together to create the church. Amen? And so God has made us individuals. We're not individuals just because of our upbringing, because of where we were born. We are individuals because God has given us our personality. God has given us who we are. Amen? Because He's our Father. Amen? And so he's made us individuals and he has given us all sorts of different gifts and talents and abilities. And he has put us together to form the body of Christ. Amen. Now, here's the thing. And this is why our identity in Christ is so important. Because as humans, we place different values on different skills, don't we? Amen. It's like, you know how you just meet those people who have a better story than you? And they really want to share their better story? You know, you might say like, um, oh, you know, the other day I had a really bad toothache and, and I went to the dentist and my whole wisdom tooth was bad. I had to pull out my one wisdom tooth. Don't you know there's just someone there who goes, oh, yeah, when I went to the dentist, I had four bad wisdom teeth. And, and my, they, 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 my story's better than your story, Right? And we do the same thing with skills and abilities and talents, 
right? People look at other people and they go, wow, look at that person. They are so good at playing the piano and all I can play is the triangle. They must be better than me. Or maybe you look at someone who's good at speaking publicly and you go, well, I wish I could speak like that. I wish I could communicate like that. I wish I could talk to a room full of people like that, but I can't. So they must be more important than me. Amen. And we see this out in the world as well, right? You see it in the workplace. Everyone wants to be like that top performing person. But sometimes what we don't realize is that it is our individuality and our individual giftings and our individual skills that God has given us that make a team strong, that make a church strong. Amen. But humanity, we have a problem in that we like to try and compare. Amen. But the truth is, is that God has created you to be you. God has created you to be exactly like you are according to His divine purpose, His divine plan, because He has a plan for your life. Amen. He has made us to be individuals who are gifted differently for a unique purpose. Amen. And because each of us is different, we all have the opportunity to contribute to the greater whole. You know what I mean by that? Because we all have different abilities and talents and skills and God has brought us all together, right? We contribute as a church to the kingdom of God because of our strengths and our abilities and we bring them all together, amen? And so because of this, our individuality is critical to bringing these important pieces together because each feature of the body of Christ is distinct and each feature is essential everyone say essential amen now let me just read again in 1 Corinthians we'll start from verse 15 i want you to read i want to read this little portion here to you cuz this this i think Paul really captures here what happens in the world and what has the potential to happen in church as well. Look at this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 15. If the foot say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? Or in other words, what Paul is saying is, just because your ear says, well, I'm not an eye. So clearly I don't fit in. We know that's not true, right? Just because the foot says, well, I'm not the head, so clearly I'm not part of the body. But we know that's crazy, right? We just know that doesn't make sense because every part of our body is put together to support each other. Amen? Amen. Let's keep reading. If the whole body were an eye, verse 17, where were the hearing? And if the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now has God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it has pleased Him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. Amen. And here's the thing. We get so caught up sometimes because we are not secure in our identity in Christ. We get so caught up in comparing ourselves to one another. And this is not a good thing. 
We look at someone else's walk with God. We look at the way that they're experiencing the presence of God. We look at where God is blessing their life and we think that's not fair. Why don't I have that? Why don't I have that blessing? But the reality is, is that it's every chance likely that that same person is looking at your life and saying, oh, I wish I was like them. I wish I had that blessing. I wish I looked like that. I wish I sounded like that. Hello? Amen? It's true. We compare. But the thing is, is that if we do not fulfill the roles that God has gifted us to fulfill, then how is the kingdom going to succeed? Think about it. Think about it in just terms of the physical sense. If you wanted to be um, an astronaut, right? I'd love to. One day I want to go to the moon. I want to go into space. It'd be so cool. Right? At the moment, tickets are like $250,000 and I'm about $249,933 short of being able to afford a ticket. <laughs> right? But if you want to be an astronaut, they make sure that you're working perfectly, your body, right? If you want to sit in an exit row on an aircraft, what do they ask you? Are you able to lift 15 kilos of door? Are you able to assist? Now, if you're sitting there and you're a double amputee with no legs, and you're deaf and blind in one eye, do you think they would let you sit on the exit row? Of course not. Doesn't mean that you're any less of a person, right? It doesn't mean you're not valuable. It doesn't mean you have worth. You are worth just as much as every other person that is on that airplane. But you can't sit in that row because you can't do the job. And so here's the thing. Every single one of us are unique and have unique abilities and talents. And, and God puts us into certain areas to work. And problems begin to arise in the church when someone who God has put in here starts going, No, I want to do that job. And they stop doing where God has put them. And they go over here and go, I want to go play drums. And they have the musical talent of a brick. Right? Right? This is making sense, isn't it? And so the problem is, is that, that attitude, that comes about from people who are not secure in their identity in Christ. They're not confident that God loves them. They're not confident that they are created in the image of God. They are not confident that God has a plan for their life. And so they begin to look around at the plan that God has for other people's lives. And they try and superimpose that on their life. This is why our identity in Christ is so important. Because when you are secure in your identity in Christ, you're no longer concerned with, with, with what you're doing. You're wondering, what is my role that God has got for me? What is the plan that God has for my life? And when you find it, you do it with all your heart. Now, it might be doing visitor follow-up. It might be looking after the kitchen. It might be preaching God's word. It might be being a pastor down the track. It might be being a missionary. But whatever it is, when you understand your identity in Christ, it doesn't matter where you fit because everything is important. Every role is just as important as the next. 
Every purpose, every plan, every individual, every part of the body is just as important. Someone say, praise the Lord. Because the truth is, is that we are happiest and at our best when we are truly comfortable being ourselves. You know, I, I love my job. I don't know if my boss listens to this podcast. I don't think he does. But I love my job. You want to know why I love my job? Because I can be myself. You know, my personality, I love talking to people. I just love meeting people. I love talking to people. I love finding out what's going on in their life. I love seeing if I can help. Now, I'm hoping when I see someone where they need help is with printing. <laughs> right? Because if they need help in something else, I can't help them. Right? But here's the thing. You want to know why I love my job? My boss pays me to go talk to people. Wow, that's cool. I bounce out of bed each day going, yes, I get to go see people today. I get to talk to real people with real lives and real stories. I love that. I thrive on that. Because I can be my best. I can be who I am. I can be who God has created me to be in that secular workplace. I love coming to church on Sunday. I love preaching God's Word. I love sitting down and talking to someone from God's Word. And, and I love it when you're doing a Bible study. And you teach them something from God's Word. And you literally see a light globe go ping in their head when they get it. I love that. That's so cool. I'm fulfilling the purpose that God has for my life. Right? I don't look at other pastors. I don't look at other missionaries. I don't look at other people and go, man, I wish I could do that. I don't sit in my job at work and go, oh, I wish I could go work for the council and look after safety. That's the first thing that popped into my head. That's not me. I don't think I'd do very good stuck behind a desk all day, every day. I like to get out and talk to people, right? And so finding our identity in Christ will connect us with the purpose that God has for our life. Understanding who we were created to be. Amen. And that's how we end up being our happiest, our comfortable, our most comfortable state of being, right? Because you're fulfilling the purpose that God has for you. Here's the thing. If every person had the same gifts and the same characteristics, very little would be accomplished. And life would be very boring. If you were all exactly like me, we would have a boring church. It'd be very boring. Because I'd know all what you're thinking right now. I'd know exactly what you're going to do after lunch. Right? But God has brought us together and we are unique and we are needed. Everyone say, I am needed. Say it again. It is your individuality that makes you important, which is kind of funny thinking about what we spoke about in Connect Group on Tuesday. And I'm going to talk about that when I preach this morning. She knows what I mean. You may think that your individual talents and traits do not measure up to another's. But the book of 1 Corinthians argues otherwise, doesn't it? Even the things about us that seem of insignificant value bring honor to God. Who likes that little toe? Who woke up this morning 
And the first thing you did was check on your little toe, make sure it's okay. Anybody? Anybody? No? Did you, did you get up in the morning and go into the shower and very, very carefully put your foot up and gently wash your little toe? No. When you got dressed, did you ask your little toe, now what sock would you like to wear, little toe? No, of course not. That's silliness, isn't it? But how many of you looked at your face in a mirror this morning? Put your hands up. How many people looked at their face in a mirror? Oh. How many lifted that little toe up so the little toe could see itself in the mirror? No? Nobody? But you all looked. Why did you look in the mirror? I'll tell you why I think. Making sure your hair looks good. Yeah? A bit of wax. Yeah? Make sure my face is clean. Make sure I don't have any wheat picks stuck on my chin. Right? We care much more about how our face looks than our little toe, don't we? But here's the thing. If you were to have an accident and your little toe was to be gone, you would walk around with a limp for the rest of your life because your little toe provides balance to the entire body. Now, you might have an accident with your face. You might get a scar. I know, for example, my dad has a scar. Tell you a story. My dad has a scar on his face. Right about there. Because he decided to put his head up while he was underneath the overhead fan. (laughs) I don't know why I told you that story. But I'm telling you that story because when something goes wrong with your face, you can kind of cover it up and, and you don't worry about it after a while and, and it's not going to kill you, right? And it's not going not to change who you are. But if something goes wrong with your little toe, it's going to be very obvious because you're going to limp for the rest of your life. Or in other words, what the Bible is telling us here in 1 Corinthians is it's saying that the parts that we don't consider important the parts that we don't consider really special, the parts that might not get as much attention, the parts that might not get held up in lights all the time, the part that might not be the most visible, that's the one that God gives honor to. That's the one that God says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's the one that God is aware of and watching, and that's the one that God gives honor to, right? This is why the person who sits there and vacuums the church after you're all gone, God honors that. God blesses that. God rewards that. That's kind of like a little toe job. The person who sits there and pours coffee for people, right? Many times we don't stop to thank those people. But God is aware. God is paying attention. God blesses and honors those people who are fulfilling their role that God has put them in in the church. Amen. And so God puts honor upon them. Praise the Lord. And so this is why every single part of it is important. Every single part is treated equally as far as God is concerned. We all know that God does not love me more than he loves Sister Wapow. Amen. We know that God loves us equally. We even know that God does not love brother, sorry, God does love brother Isaac just as much as he loves anybody out there in the world. God loves everybody. He doesn't love people more because they're special or because they're good. <laughs> 
But it's the same thing with our talents and our abilities. God does not look at you and go, all you're doing is singing in church. You're a bit of a waste of space, aren't you? No, not at all. If you are fulfilling the purpose that God has for your life, you are bringing honor and glory to God, and God honors and blesses you. Amen? The problem is, is that we spend too much time trying to be someone other than who God has created us to be. Amen? And so you begin to realize that if you are needed, if you have been made with diverse gifts and talents and abilities, then you need to realize that you are important. Amen? You are important. Turn to the person next to you say, you are important. You need to realize that you are important and special. Not just to God, but also to others around you. Everybody has different gifts and characteristics that make them valuable in, the, in society and in the kingdom of God. And your giftings, your talents, your abilities, the things God has given you, amen, they enable you to accomplish a very specific and a very needed task. And just because we are all different, all of us have value. But we have value because we are different. What makes something precious? Right? Let me ask this question. What makes something valuable? What makes something precious? If I was to bring in, um, I don't know, let's see, what can I bring in? Let's, let's say I bring in a stone, pretty ordinary looking stone, and I bring in a gold nugget. Which one is worth more? Are you sure? Positive. Okay, the gold nugget is worth more than the stone, right? If I was to say to you, which one would you like? What would you like? The gold. You sure? Okay. Why? Because it's, it's expensive. Why is it expensive? Why do we attribute such value to it? I can go digging in a hole in a gold mine, and I can pull out a rock that's worth nothing, right next to a gold nugget that's worth millions. What makes gold so precious? What makes it so valuable? The characteristics of it, yes, but there's one other special thing about it. What is it that makes gold so valuable? It's not common. It's not common. I can walk out that front door and within 30 seconds, I reckon, I could find a rock. 30 seconds, I could find a rock. There's lots of rocks. There's rocks everywhere. Amen. But I could not walk out that door and find gold. That would be nice. It's Pledge Sunday. I'd like to find a bar of gold out there. But I can promise you I'm probably not unless God does something miraculous. It is rare. You've got to dig deep down into the earth to find it. You've got to search for it. You've got to look for it. When you find it, you've spent a lot of money trying to just find it. It is so rare. And so now, bring this back to you. How rare are you? 
How many brother Isaacs are there in the world that are just like this brother? There's one. Just one. Everywhere else in the world is searching for someone like brother Isaac. And we've got him. He's here. He's with us. How many other brother Stans are there that are just like our brother Stan? He's the only one. There is no one else out there that's just the way he is. Everywhere else wishes they could have one just like ours, but they can't because there's only one. And we've got him. He's here with us. How many Sister Minnie's are out there? How many Brother Allen's are out there? How many Sister Debbie? There is only one of you, and you are here. And the problem is, is that we sit back and we think, oh, I'm not special enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not valuable enough. I can't do anything for the kingdom of God. Hang on. You are precious beyond anything you could ever imagine because you are the only one of you. And then when you stop and think, God has been searching for you by name. The Bible says He knows the numbers of hairs on your head. God knows everything about you. This great God of the universe has a plan for every individual that is here today. A purpose for every individual that's here today. And so we look around and we, we give we discredit God's valuation of us when we look around and say, I'm not happy with who I am. I want to be doing this. I want to be over here. I want to be like this. When you don't realize that you are unique and valuable and precious and God has a plan that He has designed, tailor-made just for you. Everyone say, God has a plan for me. This is why we have values. If we were all copies of one another, if we were all like me, if we were all like Brother Kenneth, if we were all like Sister Debbie, we would be a dime a dozen. We'd be cheap as chips. It'd just be like, well, if pastor can't do the job, that's okay. Someone else will do it. Well, if that person can't do it, someone else will do it. It doesn't really matter. Who cares anymore? But the reality is, is that it is our individuality that comes together that creates value for the kingdom of God. Amen. Nobody else can offer what you can offer. And this is what makes the kingdom strong. This is why I've been preaching for nearly four years about we need to reach other people in this community. Because we need to get different people in here. We need to bring in people with different talents and different abilities. We need to reach for them. And God will move and work through what we're doing to bring them together. Amen. Amen. Someone say praise the Lord. The more diverse the giftings, the greater things that can be accomplished for the kingdom of God. Let me give you the first example that just popped into my mind. Put your hand up right now if you are a qualified bus driver. Brother Kenneth, you're a qualified bus driver, right? I am picking on you. Put your hand up. Put your hand up big. Anyone else? Anyone else can drive a big coach? No, 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 not like you. <laughs> right, thank you, Brother Kenneth. Here's my point. No, they don't have the license, do they? You've got the license, right? I'm not wrong. He is the only one that can do that. That's a talent. God has brought that in here for his reason. Now, I don't know. We don't have a bus yet. Maybe there's a bus coming. Amen. A bus would be good. Who wants a bus? Well, it's Pledge Sunday. <laughs> Amen. 
But God is born. You know, I can't play piano. I'm useless at playing piano. But he's given us Sister Janie. Right? I can't play guitar. But we've got Brother Stan. I can't play drums. But we've got Brother Willie. Right? Can you imagine if everybody was like me? We would have a very boring church. Amen? Amen. And so it is our individualities that God has brought us together. When God looks at us, He sees past our brokenness to His beautiful, irreplaceable, and distinctive creation. Because this is the problem that humanity has. We get so focused on our flaws. And we are flawed. We're not perfect. Not by any stretch of the imagination. But it is when you understand who you are in Christ, because you've got your eyes on Him, you realize that He doesn't just work through your flaws, or he doesn't work in spite of your flaws, but he works through you because you are unique and individual. And we get so caught up on our problems and hang-ups and situations, and, and we think that that changes our value to God. It doesn't. Let me ask, go back, let's go back to the gold question. If I was to get a gold nugget, right, and then hit it with a hammer, does it change the value? No, of course not. Anyone got, a, anyone got a bank note? Who's got a bank note on them? Anyone got a bank note? No, 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 no ring. Who's got a, like a $5 note, $10 note, $20 note? Anyone? Help me out here. I'll give it back, I promise. Look at this, $20. Thank you. Is this your pledge? $10. Oh, you only gave me the 10 Okay, what's this worth? This is worth $10, right? You can only see half of it now. What's it worth? What's it worth? Are you sure? It looks pretty crumpled. What's it worth? Here's the thing. We get so caught up and hung up on what happens to us in life and the things that life's done to us, we don't realize that that doesn't change how God values us. It doesn't change how God views us, amen? We look at all the scars and the marks and the, the mistakes and where we failed God and where we've let God down and we go, how can God use me? What is my purpose? What is my plan? When we don't realize that our value to God has not changed. We might have to get our life right. We might have to repent, we might have to come to God and say, God, I'm sorry for where I failed you, but your value has not changed. You are the same value to God, no matter how broken you think you are. And God can use that brokenness for His kingdom, amen? Because the reality is, is that God made you. Everyone say, God made me. Nothing is more destructive than the way that we negatively treat ourselves. And the more that we try to be like others, the more we lose focus on the beautiful individuality that God has created in each one of us. Amen. The gifts that God has given us help us accomplish what God wants us to do. Someone say, praise the Lord. Last scripture. Let's turn to Matthew. I want to read you this.
Just read verse 37 and to down to 39. Everyone say amen in there. Matthew 22. I should read verse 36 as well, actually, just for context. It says, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. That's the first thing. You've got to love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and another gospel says. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, we often forget about the as thyself on the back of that. We just go, we've got to love God and we've got to love our neighbor. But here's the thing. When you understand your identity in Christ, when you understand how valuable you are in the sight of God, when you accept the fact that you might be flawed, you might have some mistakes that you've got to fix up, but when you bring them to God and God begins to work in your life, when you understand how much you are loved, it informs how you love your neighbor. Because if you don't love yourself, if you don't think you've got value, if you don't think you've got worth, if you don't think God has a purpose for you, how are you going to be able to look at someone else's life and go, yes, God loves them. God has a purpose for them. God has a plan for them because you don't believe it for your life. And so that's why Jesus said, love your neighbor as thyself. When you love yourself the way God loves you, when you're willing to go, you know what? I've got mistakes, but God has a purpose and a plan for me. Then you can use that outlook on life to love others, to care for others. Because you realize, man, look at how messed up my life is, but God loves me. Look at how flawed I am. But God has a plan for me. Man, if God has a plan for my life, He's surely got a plan for this other person's life. Amen. Our love for ourselves, the way we treat ourselves, and I use that word carefully, but the way that we care for ourselves informs us and helps us love others around us. Amen. The problem is, is that society has twisted our perception of value. We just, we, we, it's fed to us constantly. You've got to look this way. You've got to wear these clothes. You've got to sound like this. You've got to have this kind of car. You've got to live in this kind of house. You've got to be in these kind of people's companies. You've got to work this kind of job. You've got to be like this and be like that and have this much money in the bank. And that's what success looks like. But that's not how God values things. The Bible says man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. And you're valuable. And you are loved. Amen. And God has a purpose for you. Don't be fooled this morning. God has made you right. God has designed you to be exactly the way you are. Amen. And if we're busy trying to change the thing that God has created us to be... We miss out on so much of what God has got planned for our life. Praise the Lord. Why don't we all stand this morning? I'm just going to talk to the Lord in prayer this morning because I really feel strongly that God is speaking to some people here this morning. Hallelujah. Precious Jesus. Lord, you've spoken to us this morning through the teaching of your word, Lord, that you have a purpose and a plan for our life.